Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. And we're off. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. I'm at Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Fan the Flames NBA. And the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, of course, is available at brightsideofthesun.com and all pod forms, all major pod forms. I'm going to keep All major, major pod forms. <laughs> I'm going to keep running with it. That time it was on purpose. I, I like it that much. All right. So we are recording tonight after the draft. Um, Wait, something happened today? There was a draft. Not like of a military beer? draft. Oh. Neither of those. An Neither NBA those? draft. An NBA That's draft. Like a military draft. Where where <laughs> where where young men get to go and make millions of dollars? I don't know. Is that how the military works? I I, I chose the wrong path then. Um it picked to do something that may or may not want to do. <laughs> For for an organization they may or may not want to work for. Okay, there's some parallels there, Paul. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, the the NBA draft was tonight. You know, leading up to the draft, there was a lot of a lot of you know speculation about what the Suns might be doing. Um, a lot of thoughts about well, who are they going to draft? Are they going to trade down? What are they going to try to do here? Are they going to try to make a trade and get another player that can contribute a veteran right off the bat? Or clearly, nobody impact? knows anything. No one knows anything. And no one knows understands what the Suns like to do. Well, I, I think I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Still I, I think that we know what the Suns are going to do, and we should have expected it. In fact, a very wise person who may or may not be on this podcast and may or may not be speaking right now happened to tweet out last night. I love how we're all talking about who the Suns are going to draft. Like we forget that James Jones drafted Cam Johnson last year. And obviously the point of that being, look, whatever you think might happen, regardless of who's sitting there, when that draft pick rolls around, I think we could reasonably expect James Jones to be, you know, I like to say a few steps ahead of us, especially when I look back at the Cam Johnson pick, you know, he's playing chess while the rest of us are out here playing checkers uh, because we don't know what he's going to do, but I trust what he's going to do. And that certainly happened here uh, tonight at the 10th pick which happened to be the one pick I feel like that didn't get leaked out beforehand, like at least not as quickly as the rest of them. And, you know, that, that led me to think that a trade was going to happen because I was actually looking back at Woj's tweets. And I think the longest period of time between tweets, at least leading up to the sun's pick was 10 minutes. And that was uh, between three and four players. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, who they were, but the Suns one went about 15 or 16 minutes. My logic tells me that the Suns were trying to work a trade and that's why, you know, it didn't get out there. Or maybe the Suns just are running a super, super, super duper tight ship um, when it comes to the draft. Who knows? But either way. Well, I mean, I would lean more a little bit to the second because there wasn't even like Suns are working the phones for the 10th pick kind of stuff coming out either. That's, like that's, that. that's a, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Um, but you know, either way, we all know what ended up happening. And that of course was the Suns at number 10 
drafting Jalen Sticks Smith out of Maryland. Uh, and, and it was definitely one of those picks that was a surprise to Suns fans. You know, a lot of us, most of us perhaps, were thinking a 3 and D type wing or a point guard, right? Right. Uh, Jalen Smith. I'm just going to call him Sticks. I like that. I like that too much to call him by his actual name. Uh, Sticks was definitely neither neither of those. He's a six foot ten, two hundred twenty five pound power forward. Uh, like I said, out center. of Maryland, power forward slash center. Sure. Um, so you know, I, I again kind of after the after the draft after they picked him, immediately started googling Jalen Smith watching video, what have you. And, you know, I found some interesting things about him that certainly helped me realize why the Suns made the pick and actually made me like the pick more and more as I saw and read more and more about this kid. Now, let's kind of start from the very baseline of him, even aside from the basketball aspect of it. And I gathered this not only from what I read about him, but also hearing a couple of interviews that he's already done. He seems to be a really high character kid, has a good head on his shoulder, seems like a really smart dude which I think means a lot to the Suns, especially when they're trying to, you know, put a put together a good cohesive group of players who are going to mesh well together, who have high basketball IQ. Uh, his dad is a retired Navy officer. That was part of what was uh, focused on by ESPN when they ran their little vignette about him after he was picked. And, you know, while we might not see Jalen Smith as a household name, he's not a dude that is one of those kind of players that, suddenly emerged when he started playing the college game. Obviously, he's only through two years of college, so he came after his sophomore year. Even though he was projected to be more of a late first-rounder, somewhere in the 20s, um, he has a pedigree of basketball. Obviously, playing at Maryland, which has traditionally been a least decent basketball school, if not a good to very good basketball school, uh, coming out of high school, he was a consensus five-star recruit from all the different recruiting organizations. ESPN, in fact, had him as the number 10 recruit in the nation and the number two power forward. Do you know who he was number two power forward behind, Paul? Any guesses? Class of 2018. And DeAndre Ayton? No. DeAndre Ayton would have been one. I think he was a class of 17. Okay. Um, and he would have been classified as a center, but regardless, Zion, he was okay. number two power forward in that class behind Zion. So again, point being, this is a kid who has, you know, been, been playing at a high level for a while. Not one of those dudes that kind of emerges almost like you could say Cam Johnson did. I mean, Cam Johnson, you think about, he was a pick who originally started his college career at Pitt, then transferred to UNC uh, and obviously played more time in college as well, uh, at least in terms of the years he was there. And, you know, to that point, I think one thing that people need to think about, sure, you see Sun's Twitter going nuts after Jalen Smith gets picked, saying it's a reach, yada, 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 but it's nowhere near the reach that Cam Johnson was last year, right? I mean, right. Cam Johnson was right. a fringe first round guy last year. and he Yeah, the ringer had him as ranked 33rd on their big board. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially with this draft guys are kind of all over the place. I mean, even with a dude like Tyrese Halliburton, who nobody expected really to be there for the Suns. Well, he was there, obviously he didn't get picked and he lasted what two or three more picks after that. Interestingly, going to the Kings. I wonder how Deion Fox feels about that. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Kings, man. I mean, this whole, I'm so, still confused about the whole Bogdan thing, but that's a whole nother thing. And that's, yeah, we don't need to get into that. We don't need to get down that path. <laughs> but, but anyway, back to back to back to sticks. Um, like I said already, good size. He's six foot ten, two hundred twenty five pounds. He has a six foot two. Excuse me, yeah, that would not be a good wingspan for a for a six foot ten guy. A seven foot <laughs> two and a quarter inch wingspan. Yeah, it'd be like a little hummingbird from running around on the court. Um, <laughs> last year, he was a third team All American. Uh, he was third in the nation in double doubles with twenty one. Uh, and, and looking at, you know, some of the tape on him, looking at some of the scouting reports, one thing that really immediately sticks out is the fact that he has the ability to score from all three levels. He's got a really good jump shot. He can knock down to three, uh, did so his last year in college at a 37% clip also shot 75% from the line, uh, average 15.5 points a game. Uh, in terms of his offensive skill set there, 
what I see too is a guy that can finish around the rim and he can finish in a myriad of different ways. And when I say that, I mean, he can finish with the hook. He can finish with a, you know, kind of a finesse layup if he needs to kind of work his way around. And there's also been some very nice tape out there of him throwing down with some aggression, which I know people will probably be happy to hear because maybe that'll rub off on DeAndre Ayton because that's obviously a very important part of basketball, how strongly you dunk it. Right. Right, Paul? Yes. <laughs> um, like I said, he's got, he's got a good looking shot for a big man too. Uh, and, and in the tape that I saw, he has the ability to, when he has the right matchup and he's so inclined to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim a little bit also. So I think from an offensive perspective, we're getting a guy who definitely fits into what the Suns really want to try to build. I mean, you're putting a dude out there who's got good size and can spread the floor, uh, which I think is is ideal um, with the with the with the group that the Suns have together right now. You're gonna say something. Look, you're gonna say something. No, okay. Nope. No, I'm good. Um, also, and perhaps the, uh, the 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 strongest part of his game, at least as it appears statistically right now, is is his ability to rebound. He averaged 10.5 rebounds a game last season. Uh, so I, mean, honestly, strong... I would say but, the blocks is more. Like... Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right. And I'll explain why. Um, uh, he uses his body well. Um, he's a great offensive rebounder, which I think is something you can never have enough of, right? Enough offensive rebounding on a team, never have enough of that. So I think that's a, a, certainly an ideal fit there um, for the Suns. And he did average 2.4 blocks per game uh, last season at Maryland, as Paul had just mentioned. Now, even though he averaged those 2.4 blocks per game, his defensive ability and his defensive perks IQ is something that seems to be an area where he can improve, or at least that's what the consensus is. And obviously the 2.4 blocks per game certainly shows that he's able to protect the rim, but I think it's more of the larger aspect of perhaps, you know, the post defense, post defense rotations, exactly. Knowing what spaces to fill, et cetera, et cetera. Well, didn't we have those same questions about Aiton? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that, um, uh, stick said in one of the interviews I heard today, and this kind of goes to the character, the basketball IQ, and frankly, the humility of a, of a young 20 year old kid is that he, through this offseason, we'll call it, has been trying to improve on um, his strength, his quickness, his mobility, and his agility, which I think would uh, certainly help with those shortcomings, those perceived shortcomings on the defensive end, uh, along with getting a better understanding of how a defensive system works, right? Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't even had the opportunity to do the looking into him that you have. I've seen a couple clips that other people have posted on, on Twitter and like their various reactions, particularly once the initial shock calmed down. And then you also had like other people out there who, you know, their job is, you know, to do draft analysis. So they've already looked at him and they can just kind of say, Hey, this is what this guy does. Um, you know, this is a draft where this is the funny thing about drafts and I just about this whole process of, we've been going on a year at least saying that this draft is mediocre at best. And it's a crapshoot. Like we don't know who's going to be good. Who's going to be bad. Who's, you know, it's just, but one thing they did say is really deep at role player at, at, from like that role player standpoint. And so like, I mean, yeah, I think the fans saw these are the holes that we think the sun should try to fill in the draft. And they looked at wings and they looked at point guards and things like that. Nobody was really looking at bigs. Cause you're like, okay, we've got Aiton. We're playing, we tend to be playing two small forwards as a, like, we're, we're already like, okay, our, our starters are, our starting lineup has two small forwards and a center. Um, you know, we we're probably bringing back Dario at this point. Um, we weren't really thinking about, and even still he was playing the five as it was, you know, on those benches when they were good. So like they front court wasn't really where 
like I think a lot of people's heads were at. And I think that's also just a reflection of how the game had shifted post warriors dynasty and just had really gone away from the big man as like a crucial part of like a team. But then, you know, you look at this year and with the Lakers winning with two bigs, you know, and it's a copycat league, the bigs coming back, you're going to need more of them to be able to compete and not saying that wings switchy wings aren't important because the evolutions on defense and whatnot, like that stuff's all important being able to switch, but it's at this point getting to, you know, getting guys who can switch and also still be big. Like that's one of the things I think we like a lot about Aiden is he can go out and he has the lateral quickness to defend a perimeter player. And so you get another guy who's a little bit switchy like Smith, who's, you know, athletic can play that power forward, can play that center role. You, you get a little bit more switchiness there on the defensive side. But again, it's back to my original point is like, we said this draft was a crapshoot. We said this, we've been saying this draft was mediocre, but you know, as we got closer, everybody kind of got entrenched with these are the guys who are actually going to be good. And like, so then when their guy wasn't picked, it's like, they're like furious. And I'm like, okay. And I think after last season, I'm just kind of whatever about it. I, I didn't have time to really get into this draft. And I think, well, that's not true. I had all the time in the world to get into this draft because of the pandemic. But um, at the same time, I had really no interest because it was said like, there's nothing like the Suns weren't, didn't have a, a high stakes pick. We kind of had our whole thing figured out. A, <coughs> sorry. A um, whoever our draft pick was going to be was expected to be a role player. So that's the other thing is like, I saw, I saw our boy, Nate Duncan, you know, son's favorite, um, favorite Twitter jockey out there. Um, you would be the only one that sees anything he says, because I think you're the only one on Twitter, not blocked by him. Well, yeah. Um, but basically, um, shitting on the sun's picking like, okay, you guys just drafted your backup center at 10. I'm like, yeah. And 10 is a good spot to get a role player. One, Two, we're looking at a draft that's full of role players. So a backup center is a role player. He's like going to play 15, maybe 20 minutes a game. Fine. Um, You know, pretty much any guy we were going to draft out of this draft was going to be a role player for us for pretty most any team, unless you're getting like a LaMelo ball. And even still, I don't know what, I don't know what to make of him either. So. Yeah, well, and, and you know, to, to your point about the number 10 pick, let's, let's go back and look over the past 10 years of number 10 picks and see what we what we have here. I mean, last year you had Cam Reddish, year before, guy that we all know, Mikhail Bridges. Before that, Zach Collins. Before that, Thon Maker. Before that, Justice Winslow. Before that, a guy we also know, Alfred Payton. Uh, 2013, C.J. McCollum. 2012, Austin Rivers. 2011, a guy we also know and so does Devin Booker Jimmer and uh and 2010 (laughs) is is when you finally get into somebody who really is and and granted some of these other guys still have time uh that they need to develop their game fully but 2010 is when you finally some guy who is a, a truly a star and that's Paul George so it's not like number 10 pick has this long history of being a highly productive player but but nonetheless you know to to your other point about you know, just kind of expecting role players and looking at the uh, who we're going to be getting out of this draft and what have you. I think one thing to take into account is I don't think that people necessarily believe, I want to say people, I mean, us Suns fans necessarily believe that the power forward position, uh, the, the, you know, the front court is not an area where we need to fill, uh, you know, some gaps. I think it's more of a, a product of the fact that most of the guys ranked high by pundits in this draft were guards or wings. And right. I was just looking, as you were talking, I was looking at ESPN and their pre-draft rankings. So as far as any centers or power forwards go, uh, you had Wiseman as the number one center and the number three overall prospect. You had um, 
Okongwu from USC as the number two center, the number five prospect. You had Obi Toppin as a number one power forward and the number six prospect. And the next one you have out of that list is is Sticks, is Jalen is Jalen Smith as a number two power forward and the number twenty overall pro- prospect. So I think it wasn't necessarily us sitting there going we don't really need to fill any holes at the four or the five, or we can't use a player at the four or the five. But I think the expectation was this draft is a lot heavier when you look at the talent, at least perceptively in the point guard, shooting guard, small forward position. So the expectation was that's where the Suns would be looking. Obviously that ended up not being the case. And here's the thing, man, you know what James Jones is drafting for? James Jones is drafting to win, man. He's drafting to win. He's not drafting to get ESPN to give him an A on his draft grade. I think ESPN actually gave the 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 sticks pick a D minus. Um, he's is that he's better drafting, or worse than the Cam pick? <laughs> I'm guessing it's probably the same because maybe they gave Cam an F. I mean, I don't know, but you know, James Jones doesn't give a fuck, man. If you don't like his pick, yeah, guess which what? is something I highly respect about Jones is just. The idea that he, um, you know, he has his principles, he has his choices, the conventional wisdom be damned. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing we, you know, obviously have to take into account and, and I mean, it goes without saying, we wait until we see the product to really make a judgment on it. That's how it should be, but that's not how the world works anymore, right? Maybe that's not how the world has ever worked. You're always going to make a snap judgment. I, I'll preach patience, just like I, I've preached patience with the Suns on this podcast for the past four years, almost five years now. Um, it, it's and, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's getting a little long in the tooth for, for Suns fans, but you have to wait to see how this dude fits into the system, how this dude performs on the court. And and frankly, I think, again, based on what I've seen about him, you're getting a guy who perhaps is going to end up surprising folks a little bit. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point earlier, and that was we've had this lull since we've seen these guys play. There was no March Madness. There was no area or no opportunity for these dudes to showcase themselves to a bigger stage. And there, there hasn't been, I, at least nothing that I've seen, a lot of publicity about workouts or anything like that. So, well, because I don't think they they really did a lot of that. I think, and the other thing is because of the layoff, all we've had, like we've just had guys have thousands of hours to nitpick. Yeah, just like rewatch film, watch games they hadn't watched before, you know, do whatever, and just like nitpick and like, and just tear these guys apart of like which doesn't help when you already have a initially projected to be weak draft but i mean i'm not gonna lie when the draft was going on and halliburton fell to 10 we you know we were a halliburton pod we were very supportive of tyrese halliburton and particularly once we had the um once we had that had the chris paul trade i was a hundred percent in on drafting Halliburton or Hayes, whoever was available. Cause I wanted a point guard who had legit potential to be backing up Chris Paul for two years and learning. And then to see the J- Jalen Smith come up, it was more like there was a little bit of sadness mixed with a whole lot of huh. And who just because again, I hadn't done enough work on this draft, particularly with guy that's you know even when i do do work it's like i'm like okay we're at 10 i'm gonna go like okay who's projected to be in the 8 to 13 range yeah jalen smith wasn't in that so i think we've run into that in previous drafts occasionally or run into more when you get into second round stuff because i have no idea like that's just such a crapshoot but we didn't have a second round pick this year i would like to point out that you just said doo-doo doo-doo <laughs> sorry um anyway uh you know and i think uh i was looking back at uh the the sun's jam session pod i think it was a sunday one and uh you know flex was on there and and he made a comment about about sticks it basically said he's a guy that does maybe not maybe he doesn't do one or two things great but he does a lot of things good 
Uh, and, and Flex said that, you know, a team is going to really like getting him and they're going to get a steal out of him. And he said that because he, like a lot of people, was thinking, well, this would be more down to like the, you know, the, the late teens, early 20s kind of range. And obviously that's not how it worked out. But like we were saying, James Jones, if he likes a guy, I think last year proved he's going to go ahead and he's going to get him. And I, I still wholly believe that that delay and it actually not coming out was because the Suns were trying to, you know, work the phones and try to trade back. And I, I, I think that's probably a pretty fair assumption just based on James Jones history, even last year. And some of the reports we saw coming out, you know, ahead of the draft that the Suns did have an interest in trading back. But again, ultimately it didn't happen. And if he ends up working out for the Suns and being a player that fills a role, a role that, that needs to be filled, and who knows? I mean, who knows what kind of talent level we end up getting out of this kid? He's still young. He's still 20. Um, you know, he's he's not like, you know, Obi Toppin's a sophomore. Obi Toppin's 22. Uh, and and Jalen Smith's sitting here at 20. He's got time to develop. I think he's going to come in. He's going to get strong. He's already been saying he's working on getting stronger. And he could be he could be a very nice piece to have next to DeAndre Ayton for 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 a you know a period of time to come, um, and obviously now we see our core growing, our young core growing a little bit more. And the question then becomes, okay, well, what's going to happen here as we go into the off season further? You know, free agency starts in two days, right? Is, is yeah. it two days? The twentieth? So, yeah, it's it, it, this has been fast and furious yeah. the last. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, like you said earlier, we, we were expecting, and I, I would almost guarantee that Dario is going to be back. And obviously that's based off of nothing. Um, but really sheer logic. Uh, I think it just makes sense that Dario is going to be back. So if you've got, you know, a, a, a four man rotation, if you will, as things stand right now of Aiton, Cam, Dario and Sticks. Don't forget, Bridges, Bridges can play some four in the right in the right lineup. Right. He was, like I mean, depending on who they're guarding, and then who knows what else we'll pick up. But I mean, yeah, we still need a backup point. I mean, we <coughs> we've got campaign, but I mean, he's a reclamation project, even as it is the eight game sample of the bubble is just an eight game sample of the bubble. Um, so I think we definitely still need a legitimate backup point guard and we definitely need another scorer on that bench, like somebody who can not a shooter, a scorer. And so that's really where I think we'll see the focus in the, in free agency. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think that is also something again, because this draft seems so heavy talent wise when it comes to guards and wings that everyone was saying, okay, well, who are going to look at power forward wise um, when it comes to, to free agency. But, you know, based on how things are right now with the Chris Paul trade, it wasn't like that Suns were the Suns were no longer going to be able to open up the $18 million in cap space to maybe make a run at a Bertans or a Christian Wood or a, a Danilo Gallinari. Well, I guess that one's you know, completely off the table now. Right. Um, but the point guard position, you know, if you look at what we have now, we've got the biannual exception. We have the mid-level exception, right? So we've got the mid-level at just over nine million biannual at what three point six or something like something, that. Yeah. So <laughs> suddenly, maybe we're looking at some of those free agent options that might be solid that might be able to fall within the scope of those, those parameters of those amounts that we have available. And this is something, this, this one came to mind for me immediately when I started thinking, okay, well now if we're looking to free agency, we're going to have to be looking at at point guard. And I wouldn't mind saying, you know, another, another, uh, you know, another big maybe, because you know, you don't want to sit there and rely on four dudes um, and maybe Mikhail playing. I'd rather Mikhail not play any four ever to be quite frank. Um, well, depending on matchups, but you know, as a traditional concept, um, and the, the first thing that came to mind, I tweeted, said, I go, well, maybe Chris Paul and D book have just, uh, you know, convinced Goran Dragic that, uh, as an unrestricted free agent and sitting there at what 30, how old, 34 years old should take that uh, mid-level $9.3 million for a couple of years with the Suns, especially, you know, he's made, he's made quite a bit over his career. Obviously he's had his runs with the Suns before. I would imagine he still likes Phoenix. We know that whatever bad blood there was there after the last uh, the, the last go around, you know, Gorn's been on record saying that's all cleared up and Sarver and I are good, et cetera, et cetera. 
that seems it seems it seems certainly a it's very attractive to me. I don't think that's wishful thinking, but I, I would I would I wouldn't hate it. I mean, it definitely if he knows what role he's coming into when he comes in. But at the same time, it's great protection for an injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, look he, the way he the way he was playing at Miami before he got hurt. Uh, that you know we do got to remember that he did get hurt mm-hmm. not that long ago with that plantar fascia tear, which sucks. So yeah. like if you're signing him, we'd be without him for a while and in a shortened season every game counts even though it's only 10 games shorter every game counts but um that would be that would be an interesting move i definitely need to dig into the free agents a little bit more um just to kind of see who i'm really kind of interested in from a kind of guard standpoint i know um some of the names that are out there are like Contavious Caldwell Pope could be interesting overall. No. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. might be getting more money than we can afford. Um, yeah, there, there's not a weirdly not a lot of guards mm-hmm. really highly available in free agency. Um, DeAnthony Melton. <laughs> Wouldn't mind bringing him back. But like in the like mid tier guards, like it's not a lot, right? Right. Well, and that's why it's going to be it'll, it's going to be interesting. And that that you know we circle back and we can talk about this. Maybe we should because we haven't had a chance to put our our opinions about the whole CP three trade out there in the airwaves yet. But uh, yeah, we're how many well, minutes in? We have we've barely mentioned it. <laughs> hey, and, I know I know, the- I know we're talking about something that like immediately happened. But I mean, we're, we're kind of burying the lead here. I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at the big transaction, man. I'm looking at the big transaction the Suns made today. So, <laughs> um, but but to to your point of the that market being somewhat thin, that's when you know the the, the Chris Paul deal maybe maybe helps the Suns out a little bit in that regard. And that is guys who know and respect Chris Paul wanting to come and play here in Phoenix with him and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. And sticks and Dario Sarge. I mean, <laughs> presumably Dario Sarge. I mean, I think that's where you know we talked before the trade was official. When when there were rumbles about it, I talked a lot about the intangibles that Chris Paul can bring, the the way he can help continue to turn around the perception of the franchise around the league, and the way that his respect level that he has with players around the league might attract people to Phoenix, just like people were attracted, just like free agents and players were attracted to Phoenix back in the Suns' heyday before we went through this 10-year drought. This 10-year drought is a soft word to use. That's like an understatement. It's like 10 years on a planet that has no oxygen or water um, or food or, or life. Um, but There's life. You know, it was struggling, okay. but there's it's, life. It's life support. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think that's where – perhaps that influence comes into play and the respect level that Devin Booker is starting to get with players around the league. Maybe we end up getting a guy who like, and, and I use Goran Dragic as an example, and I completely forgot about the injury and I don't know how, the extent of that or how long it's going to be, but a guy like that, who's later in his career, but still productive when healthy, that perhaps would be somebody who would be taking money elsewhere, but sees a situation to go to. And, and not like a, not like a, you know an Emmett Smith going to the Cardinals situation, not a Carl Malone going to the Lakers situation, but a situation where a guy is still productive and can contribute and like you said, be a good fallback plan uh, and take up useful minutes when when people are healthy or if somebody goes down with an injury, uh, be able to pick up that slack. Um, so you know sticks, welcome to the Suns, but yeah, let's talk about the Chris Paul trade a little bit, Paul, shall we? Yeah, let's let's. You can you can get you let's. can get that Paul Suns jersey that that Bloomer was talking about last episode, yeah, man. I can, yeah that 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 would be fun. That Paul three, Paul number three jersey because number three is my favorite number. What? It's like fate. It is like fate, and you know it's gonna be that Valley jersey. I'm gonna be so mad if you don't get one. <laughs> like, yeah, I, might you, I might buy. I might I might buy you one. I will forego buying some useless sports memorabilia and buy, you buy me sports Chris, memorabilia, a Chris Paul Jersey. <laughs> um, but okay. 
Yeah, we haven't talked about it on the pod yet. Again, we talked about with Bloomer and the likelihood of it happening. Uh, that was what, Saturday, I think it was. Yeah. And then it happened, what, Sunday, was it? Monday? I think so. Sunday. Whenever. No, Monday, when, right? Monday was when the Monday. moratorium list lifted. Right, um, yeah, yeah. So in case you just like woke up from a coma and we're the first Phoenix Suns pod you listen to, first of all, thank you. We have Second a very of all, expensive backcourt now. Yes. And we also <laughs> have what arguably, arguably is the best backcourt in the NBA. As Chris Paul is a member of the Phoenix Suns, no longer with the Phoenix Suns, Ricky Rubio, who is also no longer with <laughs> OKC. Uh, Kelly Oubre, who might not be with OKC much longer. Somebody uh, really Ty- needs to make the Ricky Rubio, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm coming home. Tell the world that I'm coming home video. Meanwhile, somewhere but, Johnny Flynn is like, "Where's my agent?" You know, let's let's let's. let's honestly, let's I don't hate Rubio going back again. to Minnesota. On a side note, I mean, it moves D'Lo over to truly be a scorer, mm-hmm. basically be that kind of Booker role that Booker played this year, and then Rubio just feed those two him and Towns, and just accept it. You know, it 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 uh, doesn't help with Towns wanting to force his way out and come to Phoenix, um, since you know. That's all that they want to do is play with their friends, right? That's that's obviously what the case is. Um, yes. But uh, Ty Jerome, who, you know, I really like Ty Jerome when the Suns drafted him, but that's a dude that just never seemed it's to figure anything out in the NBA. Yeah, and, and, I, and I hope it does for him at some point. Uh, Jalen lecue has gone. Who had to go because of the clutch sports thing? I mean, that was once he signed with clutch sports, <laughs> we, we, might as well just yeah, we, I completely forgot about that, but that makes so much sense that he was yeah. in the trade and he was out. Oh, yeah. It's like, cause they, oh, yeah. yeah, we're – we're never drafting anybody from Clutch Sports. I feel like I feel like OKC might have even been like, you know, we don't need him. So I was like, no, 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 you do, you do. Please take him. Just go, go. You you take him and Rich Paul and LeBron. You can do whatever you want with them. Um, and then, obviously, the Suns did not give up the number ten pick this year, but gave up a nicely protected 2022 first round pick. Top twelve protected 2022. Top ten protected 2023. Top eight protected if it doesn't convey in one of those first two years in 2024, and then unprotected in 2025. Um, beautiful. I could care less about any of that. And then, you know, CP3 and Abdel Nader. You said top 12 sense. next year, right? Or is it the top year 12, after? Top 12 in 2022. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that at all because, I mean, I mean, if it's top 12 in 2022 and we got Chris Paul still playing at a decently high level, I'm assuming we would convey that which is fine. Yep. I'd rather convey yeah. it sooner than later. Just yeah. from the standpoint of, I don't want to be hanging up our ability to trade future picks. Sure. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, and then, I mean, it's you know, no the, my Milwaukee situation, the guy who gets, <laughs> who gets, yeah. Yeah. That was nuts, man. That was absolutely insane. They gave up what three, they straight up gave up three draft, three first round picks. And then two of them are unprotected. And then wasn't it three pick swaps? Two also? pick swaps. So two pick swaps, swaps and three picks, right? Right for Drew Holiday and his expiring contract. Right. <laughs> and and they gave, and they also gave up their backcourt of Eric Bledsoe and George Hill to also do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not, not like I'm super like you know Eric Bledsoe and George Hill are like the end all be all of whatever, but. You know, Eric Bledsoe and 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 Lonzo Ball in the same backcourt um, could be a uh, well interesting. Um, yeah. But you know, w- one thing that I feel like hasn't been spoken about much in the context of this trade was uh, you know Abdel Nader coming to the Suns too. And I'm not saying that like he's going to be a guy who is 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 going to be a, a game changer or anything like that. But I'd have to think that he's included because the Suns expect him to be on the team and contribute. Because maybe I'm missing something, but he didn't have to be included. I mean it just upped the amount of salary coming back. Uh and it's not like he was just sitting around not playing for OKC. Last season he played 16 minutes a game for them, averaged just over six points, um shot almost 38% from three point range. So how many games? Um, probably you're asking too much of me now, man, but I'll, I'll look that up. I'll look that up. Um, I'll look that up while you fill some time and discuss what you think about Chris Paul coming to the Suns and your new Chris Paul Jersey that you're going to get. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm de- I think I'm definitely going to get that. Um, but, you know, I think they're, I'm not going to lie, I think both of us had, were kind of anti the idea of Paul initially. And we, we admitted that on the last pod, just from the idea of like, you know, there was all this talk of timelines and like getting team, getting players who are kind of on the same schedule of like when they're going to peak. So like everybody, you know, so like you can maximize everybody and, you know, Chris Paul is kind of the opposite of that. But at the same time, it's also kind of like, that's what you do when you're at that point of like, we've got these guys that are like just about to crest. And now let's bring in this guy who's like already there. And that's kind of what we did. And I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what it, I don't know if it's going to be as fun as having Rubio on the team. Just cause Ru- Ru- the way Rubio kind of orchestrated an offense was kind of poetic in a way. And just something about how he did it and just kind of moved places around. It's, it had because, it's, because, it's because he has beautiful hair and beautiful eyes. That's why Paul, that's what it is. I know. Yes, this is true. And now, now we have Alfonso Rubiero's look like, um, <laughs> and more importantly, Cliff Paul's twin brother. More importantly, <laughs> so I texted my I, dude. I texted my dad, and I was like, "Did you hear CP3 got traded to the Suns? It's official." And he's like, "Really?" I'm like, "You know what the best part of this is? His brother can be your insurance agent." And he just gave me one of those like rise smile emojis back, which I thought was weird because I'm like, "You're." like a 70 year old man sending me emojis. That's fine. Whatever. Good for you. Stay young, old man. Stay young, dad. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what you were saying before that. I got way sidetracked. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I don't remember. Oh, you just mentioned that he, he's Carlton's a lookalike. After yeah. I said, Ricky Rubio has beautiful hair and eyes. Yeah. So maybe we can get Carlton as, on, uh, on the uh, court side once we can have fans again. How about how about the fact that the the new Jake from State Farm kind of looks like Devin Booker too? This is true. This like, is true. How long until we have a commercial from State Farm where Devin Booker is in fact Jake from State Farm? I'm guessing it's not going to be that long. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what that's what I'm here for. I'm thinking outside the box at all times, Paul. It's all. Yeah, I do, Devin, man. Hey, I mean. You know the Suns start winning. Devin Booker, you know he he does have that a face for TV. You know he's going to start getting those endorsements. Oh yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> it's going to do wonders for the Suns' exposure. Uh, you know, you brought up online the other day and on Twitter. You know how many national TV games are the Suns going to get this year? And I, of course, said like, what did I say, seventy two? And then you said including playoffs. And I upped it to, I think, uh, 92 90, or something like that. 93. <laughs> um, 93. Yes. Yes. Um, cause you know, that's what a 16 and eight run in the playoffs. That seems fair. Um, but seriously, I mean, they have to get, you would think at least in the eight to 10 range, right? Or is that high? I don't even know. I don't even know, but I mean, six, I'll say, I'll put the over under at five and a half. What would you okay. take? I'll take the over. Yeah, me too. Because I just said six. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, do you do you think they'll get either a um, a Christmas or a Martin Luther King Day nationally televised game? Yeah, because those are like the big days where they just, it's just like all day back to back games. I wouldn't be surprised if they have one or not or both of those. Like maybe do uh, Dallas because you know that's kind of weirdly kind of become a rival for the Suns. And I don't know who else, who would be another good I, one. I could see like a, uh, a Suns Clippers game, you know, mm. I, I would see them wanting to tie the Chris Paul connection in somehow, you mm, know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I could see something like that. And, you know, to go back to something that I think is now an irrelevant point, 55 games is how many games Abdel Nader played last year. Uh, so that's not yeah. 16 minutes on 55 games. It's not bad. <laughs> I, I, right. I just worry that it's like, okay, he played like eight games and got no, 16 minutes. No. Cause they're all the blowouts. Um, and then, like uh, injured or something. Um, 
totally just lost the train of thought again. We're doing this late after a long day, like usual. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh, Sorry. to your point about, about Chris Paul and, and you know, run the offense, do you remember a little thing called Lob City, man? I remember Lob City was what they thought, what DeAndre and Blake thought it was going to be, and then that, <laughs> then it wasn't that. Chris Paul likes to slow it down a lot. He's a lot more methodical in how he runs an offense, whereas – Rubio had more of that Nash. I'm just going to kind of run around and probe until something happens, which is, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. I no. mean, you know, Booker's a book. Booker can distribute to, you know, Mikhail actually is underrated there as well. So Aiton can pass the ball. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think you brought this up last, last pod, what it does to elevate Booker and Aiton, not just in their game itself, but in the eyes of certain folks who I think still continue to disrespect the Suns. And that is, of course, my favorite people in the world, NBA referees. Um, and I'll be interested They're to see if, disrespecting us no more. if 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 Booker's, uh, Booker's uh, tech rate drops a little bit because he's got Chris Paul on those refs uh, more than Booker has to do, which, which will be nice too. Um, you know, one thing also about this trade, and obviously we laid out the parameters of it. We laid out what was included, man. I we got to give James Jones credit, man, because I think that everything taken into account this is about as good of a deal as you could expect the Suns to have made for Chris Paul. Oh, yes. With money 100%. and everything taken into account. Money, I mean, protections, like, didn't have to give up this year's pick. We know that they wanted the 10. We know that they wanted Cam Johnson. And while maybe some people say they didn't, I know some people say they do, and I believe the people that say they do. I'll just leave that at that, right? Right. But James Jones... Never wanted to give those up. And obviously dug his heels in. Yeah, he said, look, we can do this or we can not do it. Because at the end of the day, yeah, Chris Paul, it was reported, wanted to be in Phoenix. That, I think, certainly helped to a certain degree because it took away some leverage that OKC might have had. But I don't think overall OKC had any leverage, period. Like we had no reason to do anything that the Suns felt wasn't going to be in their best interest. And I think that is exemplified by the fact that we got those protections on that pick. OKC had no leverage, but would have had a ton of leverage if you'd given them seven hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After, after the, after, after the drew holiday trade and what, and then like, wasn't there another trade that had like a bunch of picks or am I blanking? Um, I do not know. I do not know. No, I, I know. Cause I, I know they're like talking about like how many picks can Harden fetch. And I think the difference is Harden wants out. Drew holiday didn't want out. Like, right. You know, you had to pry him away from new Orleans. Right. Cause, you know, well, and I, and I think that same type of thing would perhaps apply with the Suns and OKC situation. I mean, Chris Paul wanted to leave and, and, you know, kudos right. to Sam Presti too, because Obviously, he's making a deal that perhaps, and we don't know, maybe maybe there wasn't going to be a better offer anywhere else. Maybe there was. But that's why I think, you know, Sam Presti is a well-respected ex executive around the league because he does his players solid, right? That's exactly what he did by by getting a return that he could for um, for for Chris Paul while at the same time sending Chris Paul to the destination that he wanted to be. And, and back to where I was kind of starting with this, my original point is props to James Jones as well, because let's look at Sam Presti's recent trade history and how there's a reason why OKC has, what is it? 17 first round picks over the next like four years or something ridiculous like that. Because when he trades guys, he gets a haul for them. Well, let's look at the Westbrook trade. When he got Chris Paul, he got Chris Paul. He also got two first round picks and two pick swaps. Well, let's look at the, Paul George trade. And we know Paul George wanted out at that point too, right? He wanted out of right. OKC, didn't he? They got back Shai Gilgis-Alexander. They got back Danilo Gallinari. They got back five first-round picks, and they got back two pick swaps. So if you look at the recent track history of Sam Presti and then look at what James Jones oh. gave up to get Chris Paul, man, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like a maestro. <laughs> 
a little opus. What, what's the magnum opus? Magnus opus? Magnum right. opus? <laughs> like, Grant, it, granted, awesome. I mean, he, Presti got picks while getting Chris Paul and then got more picks while giving up Chris Paul. So, I mean, granted, the players that were traded, like, were lesser than Chris Paul. So, like, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's still funny that he yeah. took the lesser player and then traded him as the better player and got picks all around. His list of picks is ungodly. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's insane. It's stupid. Between, like, have you seen the meme of, like, the, the next five drafts are going to be and Oklahoma City picks and New Orleans picks and Oklahoma City picks. I just want him, to, picks. I want him to continue trading them and exchanging them to see if he can get like 15 first round picks in a single draft. <laughs> have, have, you, have you seen those like videos or like um, like the person who will blog about, I'm trading this paper, paper clip. Oh yeah. And they, and, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, that, that'll Sam be him. Presti. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trading this next, next thing. Next thing you know, he like owns the New York Knicks somehow or something like that. <laughs> he has, next thing you know, he's going to have the first five picks in the same draft. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's going to just catch he, everything in and he's going to have, I am, I am drafting the Michigan Wolverines from 1993. <laughs> I'm just going to draft a starting lineup. He's, one through he's, five. He's, he's allowed to create his own player like an NBA 2K. And <laughs> right. like, we're just, I just get their stats every game. That's how this is going to work. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I immediately start up 35 points each game and, and we go from there. Perfect. Um, well, I'm, but, I'm just going to create a second team because I have so many draft picks. I'm just going to, you, you know, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, all of a sudden LA and OKC are two cities in the NBA with two teams. Yeah. That, right. That, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it just boils down to the, obviously, like you said before, we were both tentative. I, I won't say I was tentative. I was adamantly against the Chris Paul trade when I first heard the possibility of, I got talked to a little bit, got my wits about me, realized some of the aspects of it that perhaps wouldn't be out front when you first hear of of it just as a rumor, and that changed my mind. And I was I was elated when it went through. Um, I, I honestly I thought it went through quicker than I expected it to. I didn't think it would go through right when the moratorium was lifted, like within hours. Right. I thought I thought it would be lingering out there a little bit more. But obviously, and then, like all Suns fans, just getting nervous is like, what's going to happen? Yeah, like, yeah. And we, we, I mean, I know we definitely like in our like private group chats, Suns group chats and whatnot. When we heard that Cam was involved, we were starting to sour on the idea. So then, when it came through and Cam wasn't in there, it was like elation. I yeah. think that re- like definitely solidified it for us. Is well, like, and, yeah, and- this is the way to go. And that was one of the things that, you know, like I said earlier about leverage, you know, on, on jam session when Fletch was on the other night, I was actually watching um, um, the, the pod and he had brought that up. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no, like, what's the leverage that they have to get cam from us? There's, there's none there. Well, and, and, th- there and is I'll a t- bit, there is a bit. And I'll tell you where that leverage is, is the Suns have pressure to make Devin Booker happy. He is the face and the star of this franchise. We've been in the doldrums for 10 years. He's the guy who's going to bring us out and we need to prove to him that we're going to put a winner around him. And there's a pressure there that like, okay, we got to do whatever we can to get this guy that Booker clearly said, this is the guy I want. So to then fail at that could push him to become the disgruntled, the next disgruntled star that says, "Hey, I want out." Well, that makes that makes that makes one big assumption that Booker would have been okay with Cam Johnson being in that trade, which I do not believe would be the case, because Booker at the same time is a smart dude. He knows what you need to make a winner. He knows what Cam Johnson has. He's yeah, seen Cam, Cam Johnson play. Guys. He knows that Cam Johnson is an important cog in this machine that is the Phoenix Suns, and I would venture to guess that. 
maybe if push came to shove, he would have been okay with it. But I, I don't think that would have been a preferred approach for Booker. And and I, I would not have liked it because again, like you said, it's not going to be just two guys. And if we take away already two guys that are, that were integral to the team last year, although Kelly obviously was not integral to the team and the bubble, but you still take away two major players and then you take away a third major player that, that right. changes the scenario significantly. Exactly. And it's not even the level of the players, just the, 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 the level of, of production from this and yeah. depth. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were already at, a relatively thin team, even though we're not. Like, we're, look at it like this money and everything aside. What if OKC said we want all, all the players that were involved in the trade, except instead of Kelly, we want Cam and McHale. No, exactly, exactly. Um, well, and, and and that has a lot to do with the fact that like you know Kelly's on an expiring contract and could walk, or we'd have to pay him a lot. And you know, there's that kind of you know there's that calculus that goes in there too of McHale and Cam are still on rookie deals and yada yada yada. But yeah, and 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 uh, again, I said, and money I don't aside, think the money would work if it was just <laughs> Cam and McHale. I if it was literally Cam. started this by saying money aside, Paul. <laughs> I'm looking at it more from the concept of how much you're taking away from the team in terms of the right. production and the product on the court versus what you're bringing back in and already removing two guys is enough and right. two guys that were high level even and and I'm not going to sit here and say that necessarily Mikhail is lower level than Kelly was but I think we can agree that per you know statistically Kelly was a higher contributor to the team but again the point more being when you take away pieces the number of right. pieces that were productive to the overall product taking away more of them makes the trade a lot less palpable than uh when you're just taking away two of those guys so all i know is i feel like chris paul is going to be throwing some uh some some oops to to Aiton and to uh and to sticks here this year and it's going to be fun to watch um and and again the most important thing to a lot of Suns fans out there for some reason is maybe sticks will rub off on Aiton. Aiton will dunk with more authority from time to time. Cause that's what matters. You know, you know I think it's going to rub off on Aiden and Aiden's going to dunk with more authority on time to time. When Chris Paul, Chris, Chris Paul yells at him. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. It's just, dude, that's the whole, the whole Chris concept. Paul and there. Devin Booker are going to take De- De- DeAndre Ayton out in the, behind the new training facility and beat him with a, with a sock full of butter. Why a sock full of butter? Cause it doesn't bruise. Uh, if I, I was, but I always thought it was a, a, a sock full of oranges. I've never heard butter before. Sock I'm just saying, butter. I'm just saying, I actually kind of, of like, I kind of like butter more actually. Both, both in that concept and as a food in general, I like it more than oranges. But the whole idea should basically be: we're going to get Aiton really pissed off, but we're going to make sure that somehow we convince him to focus that energy towards other people and not towards and the his rim. teammates. Yeah, and the rim. So, two thumbs up to the Chris Paul trade. I'm stoked, man. I have. I feel like I say this every off season, but it's been true every year we've done this. Every year, I get more and more excited about the Sun season, and this this year, obviously, for for a, a multitude of reasons, I'm even more excited for basketball to start again, which happens in a month, dude. <laughs> dude, it start, happens earlier than that because there's going to be preseason and there's yeah, training camp, yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, like regular season basketball, like actual man, games like, that count. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. And like I said, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to lose. And I said this on Twitter, I think yesterday, I'm going to lose a lot of time possibly at the office because there might be uh, loitering around that practice facility, just uh, you know, <laughs> hanging out. That thing is beautiful though, man. That thing is beautiful. Did you read the article? And then we'll wrap up. Did you read the article about all of the uh, tech the technology and stuff? Yeah. I saw, I read a couple like clips of like people put on Twitter. I, me- I meant to, but I, the day got away from me and I just didn't get a chance to read it fully. I'm telling you, man, anybody who thinks that the Suns aren't endeavoring to put a winner on the court needs to read that article because the stuff that they're doing, I mean, the, 
not just with cameras, but their body sensors on the court so they can determine in real time when players start getting fatigued, what players start uh, like kind of how their mechanics start to change when they're getting fatigued so they can sit sit there and go, okay, when I think this example was used in the article, when Devin Booker has seven minutes straight of playing time, his right shoulder starts to dip a little bit in his jump shot. So that's when we want to start, you know, we, in terms of rotations, let's look at that kind of time frame for Booker to be in and out of games. Like it's phenomenal what they're doing. And I think the article said that the, the practice courts have something like 150 cameras installed around to take in data. The courts that they've been practicing at, how many, four. how many cameras do you think? Oh, it's so stupid. Like, yeah. I, that, I read that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I have more cameras protecting my house than the sun's practice facility um, previously had. Um, and my house is not as big as their practice facility. I wouldn't think um, even their old one, there was one quote in there. And then, like I said, we'll wrap this up that I wanted to pull up. I believe I took a screenshot of it. I did. Um, let's see here. Yeah. By installing 150 cameras, nodes and sensors in the ceiling and on the walls of the practice courts, the Suns had just four at their previous practice facility and working with Verizon to create a single app using 5G ultra wideband speeds for legitimate real-time processing. The Suns have merged the motion capture power of SIMI and both Shot Tracker and NOAA to put a new combined data set in the hands of the coaches. And they're doing this in real time which to me, again, is, is, is phenomenal. And this, this part right here, I just thought was neat. The lockers, when closed, there's a perforated pattern across them that form a graphic of Camelback Mountain. That just sounds fucking cool to me, man. <laughs> that just sounds super cool to me. Dude, that, that, rem- that reminds me, there was a, remember when I had that summer job in college between uh, freshman and sophomore year, that like one summer we came back here to Phoenix when where I delivered doors. doors. Yeah. 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 Like I'm like, why I remember that so specifically. <laughs> cause I, cause I delivered doors door to door. <laughs> A lot of doors you're dealing with. Um, one of the last pickups I had to do is like, there's this one custom door shop that we worked with and it was this massive door that was actually bigger than the bed of our truck. We had to drive so carefully. Cause like, Oh my God, this thing was expensive. It was massive. It took the entire shop to lift it off the back of the truck, but it was what it was designed to do. And I wish I stayed around long enough to actually see this house. It was, it was chiseled to look like Camelback Mountain. And when it fit into the house, the front of the house was also supposed to show that. And this was supposed to fit into it exactly. And that's now it was, I wish I'd been able to see it. Maybe that was Robert Sarver's house. And that's like his thing. Maybe, (laughs) (laughs) maybe. Um, you know, and one last detail I thought was interesting about this, and maybe this is common, I don't know, but the locker room at the practice facility is the exact same as a locker room at the arena, like the renovated locker rooms at oh, the arena. Oh, interesting. Which, from a psychological standpoint, seems to make a lot of sense to me. You know, you, you put, you put these players <laughs> in the same, percep- per, per, um, the same perspective that they're going to have at all times playing ball, but go ahead, I want to hear your problem. This is a stupid one. But it's like when you have two places that look exactly the same, you're going to forget which place has the thing you're going to want. It's like, I, I, I'm, at, I'm, at the, I'm at the practice facility. I want what, this hat or whatever that I thought I left in the locker. I get confused which locker I left it in. Thought I was, this was one of the practice facilities, but it's actually the one at the, at the arena because they look exactly the same. I hear you. I'm going to assume that they, they might have enough, uh, <coughs> enough gear and enough stuff that they, they probably don't need to run into that problem very often. No, but if you, if you show up with that, like that one colorway, your air force ones, and you know, I want this hat that like matches that exactly. And it's at the, the arena, you know, I'm pretty sure they just go, Hey, Jay, you know, Jay Gaspar. Yeah. I forgot this one at the arena and he'll be like, magically it's just going to appear that's 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 how that's how sophisticated the suns are now all right well again sticks welcome to the team cp3 welcome to the team practice facility welcome to phoenix and you know what kelly 
Hey, you know what we didn't Ricky. talk about real quick? Go like, on. A little side thing. It's no longer Talking Stick Resort Arena. Oh, yeah. No, wait, it's nothing right now, right? It's nothing right now. Yeah. All right. Cool. Just saying. You're right. I think okay. fanning the flames arena sounds like a really good idea. All right. I'll, I I've got I'll like put, six bucks. I'll put in a call. <laughs> I'll put in a call. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of fanning the flames, Paul, any final thoughts? I, I know, you know what? That was your final thought. You don't get any more final thoughts. Cause no, you're done. And I'm tired. Thank you very much. You guys for listening. Uh, let's, let's continue to be excited for the Suns. This is going to be awesome this year, man. I I'm stoked. I feel that one C baby. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. Um, and, uh, yeah, God, I just can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys listening to us whenever we uh, do this. Well, Hey, we'll be back more and more often now. I'm, I, I feel like, dude, I just have to talk Suns basketball. I'm going to put out pause. Without you, Paul, about. If you can't do it. If you can't do it, I'm just going to sit here and talk to myself. I'm going to, you're going to call Howard it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I could do that. I feel like I could do that. I'll pull up Zoom and just video conference myself in. It's going to be fantastic. So anyway, whenever that happens, you all can be like, just like, holy shit, Justin is incredibly boring when, when Paul's Paul's voice isn't jarring us awake all the time. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Have a good night, fellas. Fellas. Fellas.